Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, May 25th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb, and coming up on today's episode, we recap a tough extra innings loss for the Orioles. The magic in extras finally runs out for the O's as they fall 7-6 to in 11 innings at Yankee Stadium on Tuesday night. I'll break down what went wrong for the Orioles in the walk-off loss and give you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' loss in the Bronx. Then, we'll talk a little bit about some Orioles minor league news. They made some pretty big promotions on Monday at different levels of the minor league. Some top prospects moving up in some of those areas. And then, of course, when that happens, you also release some players. We'll talk about the three minor leaguers that the Orioles let go as well. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we'll jump right into it here on today's episode little somber as I record this one just minutes after the walk-off hit by Jose Trevino with the Yankees beating the Orioles 7-6 in 11 innings on Tuesday night to even the three-game series at one game apiece. Orioles with the loss fall to 18-26 and on the season, and it's their first extra inning loss somehow of the year. And uh, I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' loss And first, let's start with, well, extra innings just didn't play out like the Orioles wanted for the first time this year. You know, they roll into the 10th inning in a 5-5 game, and things just didn't go their way in the top of the 10th. Jorge Mateo tried to get a bunt down, wasn't able to do it, and then started to swing away, which I was fine with, but he missed a hanging breaking ball, and then he struck out to start the inning, and you just cannot strike out to start the extra innings with the zombie runner on second. And then Cedric Mullins and Trey Mancini each hit the ball pretty hard, but found fielder's gloves, and it ends the 10th with no runs in. You think, you know, this game's over, bottom of the 10th inning. Here come, you know, some of the the big boppers for the Yankees, and in comes Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate does a heck of a job in getting out of the inning. It started with Aaron Judge, who hits a fly ball to the warning track in right field for the first out. Aaron Hicks tags up and goes to third. They intentionally walk Anthony Rizzo, and then they got to face Estevan Florial in that spot because Giancarlo Stanton had left earlier in the game with some calf tightness, and that worked out. Florial hits a ground ball to short. Jorge Mateo makes a perfect throw home. Adley Rutschman makes a perfect tag, and they get Hicks out at the plate, and then Tate is able to strike out Glaber Torres, who had really just killed the Orioles all night, had two home runs in the game, but Tate gets Torres, and you go to the 11th, And you're thinking, all right, now it's time to lock in. The O's get a run on the Austin Hayes ground out that scores Ryan McKenna, gives them a 6-5 lead in the top of the 11th. They're not able to add any more. And they go to the bottom of the 11th. And, you know, unfortunately for the O's, they had to use a guy like Brian Baker, who's been struggling a little bit over his last few appearances. He's pitched a lot lately through two innings on Sunday. But I don't really think Brandon Hyde had another choice than to go to Brian Baker. And, of course, It just did not go well. He got a fly out to start the inning, and then it went RBI single to tie the game at six. Then another single from Marwin Gonzalez. It was Isaiah Conner-Falefa that tied the game. Gonzalez singles, and then Jose Trevino hits a walk-off single down the third baseline 
to walk it off. And Trevino, who just killed the Orioles tonight, three for four with a home run, two singles, three RBIs, a walk as well. He dominated the O's as the Yankees' backup catcher out of the nine spot. And he's had some big hits against the O's this year. But at the end of the day, you know, that one hurt for the O's. But again, in that 11th inning, they really didn't have anybody else to go to. You know, even though Bruce Zimmerman gave them six and a third, which we'll talk about, they used Gillespie. They'd already used Keegan Aiken for two and a third. And Dylan Tate had pitched a scoreless top of the 10th. Now, he did only throw 10 pitches. So theoretically, you could have tried to Dylan Tate back out there for the 11th. But you don't want to burn him for tomorrow's game. I think I was fine with using Baker in that spot. And when you look down at the bullpen... You know, you would think, oh, why didn't the Orioles go to one of their closing options this year? Well, Jorge Lopez was not available, and Felix Bautista was not available. Both of those guys had pitched four of the last five days coming into this game, and both were unavailable in this one. So, you know, the O's had Baker available. I mean, CNL Perez was an option, but remember, he pitched two innings on Sunday, and there really, you know, there wasn't any lefties coming up in the inning that Perez, you know, could try and dominate in the 11th. So it was really Perez or Baker because the rest of your options were, you know, guys like Bo Salser and Marcos Duplan who had just been called up, you know, on Monday and Salser hasn't pitched with the O's this year. Duplan's pitched in just one game out of the bullpen for the Orioles. You certainly were not giving either of them a save situation in Yankee Stadium. And Brian Baker had 11 saves in AAA Buffalo when he was with the Blue Jays system in 2021. So at the end of the day, he was your best option. It just didn't work out. He didn't make good pitches. He got ahead of Kiner Falefa 0-2 when it was still a 6-5 game with a runner on third and one out. Thought he should have been able to put him away with a strikeout. Didn't. Kiner Falefa battled, then poked the single up the middle. And, you know, he got beat by 7-8-9 in the lineup. You just can't let that happen. But it is what it is, and the Orioles lose via the walk-off. But... The second thing you need to know from this one is that it's kind of a weird start from Bruce Zimmerman in this game. Now, on the the high point of this one is he got the most outs of his career, goes six and a third innings, longest start of his career, allowing four runs on six hits, five strikeouts, no walks, but four solo home runs allowed. Those were basically the only blemishes he allowed. It was four solo homers and two singles, and again, no walks in the game. Those were his only six base runners, and you know, you always talk about, well, the solo home run's not going to beat you. Well, if you do give up four of them, sometimes it, it does really start to beat you. And, you know, one was hit by Rizzo. That ball was just, I mean, tattooed into the seats in right field in the first inning. Two were hit by Glaber Torres, who, after hitting approximately a million home runs against the Orioles in 2019, hadn't homered against the O's since 2019 until Tuesday night's game when he goes yard twice. And then, of course, as we mentioned, Jose Trevino hits the one that actually ended up taking, well, not taking Zimmerman out of the game, but you know, I felt like hurt a little bit more that he gave up one to Trevino. It was the home run to Torres that took Zimmerman out of the game in the seventh. But you know, he still didn't walk anybody. He still struck out five. He had nine whiffs on 85 pitches, 46 swings. He, to be fair to him, didn't go crazy heavy on the fastball. 24 changeups, 23 sliders, 19 four-seamers, 12 curveballs, and 7 sinkers. Now, if you add the four-seamer and the sinker, that's 26 fastballs, which still barely would be his most used pitch if you combine his two different fastballs that he used. But the fastball did kind of get smoked while the slider was good on the night. The changeup was solid on the night. 
He got four whiffs on that slider. It was working especially to lefties. Got a couple of strikeouts with the curveball. Just kind of a weird start. And, and listen, you know, he's given up eight earned runs in 11 and two-thirds innings over his last two starts. Both have been, of course, against a right-handed heavy, very, very good New York Yankees lineup in both those games. But just a weird start with the solo homers. Uh, there was positives. There was negatives to take away. We'll see how Zimmerman bounces back in his next start. But the third thing you need to know from this one is that Keegan Aiken, I think this is just who he is, kind of a fireman, two- to three-inning reliever who, I mean, Kevin Brown said it on the broadcast when Aiken came in, one of the best relievers in baseball. Is it true? He's pitched the most innings in relief in Major League Baseball this year, and he's done it to a 1.23 ERA now. Aiken came in with some traffic on the bases, in the seventh inning and got a big strikeout to keep the game tied at five with two on and two out and then finish off the rest of, you know, the nine innings. He pitched two and a third scoreless and hitless. Now the command eluded him a little bit in the ninth inning when he walked back to back batters and he ended up walking three, but he struck out six, six of his seven outs were via the strikeout through 39 pitches did not have a hard hit ball against him. And it was just, Utter dominance, except for in the bottom of the ninth after he got two strikeouts. He walked back-to-back batters, but locked back in and got a K. And it was, you know, heavy on the fastball again. 22 fastballs, nine change-ups, and eight sliders. He got 10 whiffs on the day on 13 swings. Think about that. Yankees hitters swung at 13 of his 39 pitches. They swung through 10 of them. They fouled off two of them. They only put one ball in play against Keegan Aiken. Ridiculous. Here's an even crazier stat. He threw 22 four-seam fastballs, okay? Six of them were called strikes. Eight of them were swung at. All eight of those fastballs that were swung at by Yankees hitters were swung and missed. Eight whiffs on eight swings on the four-seam fastball, which sat at about 94 and maxed out at 96 on the night for Keegan Aiken. I mean, that is elite. That's a 64% CSW. 30 is considered good on any pitch. It was ridiculous. He got two more whiffs on the changeup. I mean, this is the guy he is. He's getting lefties. He's getting righties. After the debacle that was 2021, it is now fun to watch Keegan Aiken pitch. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Rugnet Odor delivered the blow that I thought would be the game winner. And you know, the question is, is anyone hotter than Rugnet Odor right now for the Orioles? Now, he only had the one hit in the game, but it was a big one. The go-ahead three-run homer in the top of the seventh inning that uh, put a bow on a four-run inning for the O's that gave them a 5-3 to three lead at the time. And all the damage came against Michael King, who has kind of been the Yankees' version of Keegan Aiken this year, the fireman long reliever who's gotten everyone out. But he allowed three runs and only recorded two outs in this game. And he just... He just wasn't very good after Austin Hayes led off the seventh inning with a solo homer off of starter Jordan Montgomery to make it a 3-2 game, knocked him out of the game. O's got a couple of hits, and then Rugnet Odor into the first row in right field, a three-run homer to give the O's the lead. Of course, it would only have been a home run in Yankee Stadium uh, per stat cast, but he knocked the ball out of there for another home run. He also had an RBI earlier in the game with an RBI ground out in the fifth that got the Orioles on the board and made it a 3-1 game. He was only one for four, but he didn't strike out. He had another hard hit ball besides the home run. It's a nine-game hitting streak now for Rugnet Odor. Just put
put him in the lineup, and you know he's out there against righties and lefties. It was a lefty starter in Montgomery for the Yankees tonight. Odor was right out there doing work. He's earned everyday playing time at this point for the Orioles. And the fifth and final thing you need to know is that, of course, you know the reason this game even went to extra innings is because the Orioles did not hold that 5-3 lead for long. Of course, they gave up two runs in the bottom of the seventh as the Yankees quickly tied the game at five. And they both came off of Logan Gillespie, who, you know, at the end of the day, or I should say one of the two came off of Logan Gillespie, but who at the end of the day just kind of had his first struggles at the major league level. Of course, he threw three and two-thirds scoreless innings last week in his first two appearances, was set down, then called right back up when Spencer Watkins went on the IL. And he just did not have the stuff that he needed. He retired the first batter he faced, came in with the bases empty, one out in the seventh and a 5-4 game, got a ground out, so there was two outs, nobody on 5-4, and then he just kind of lost it and gave up a couple of hits and left the game at that point. And Keegan Aiken had to come in and clean up his mess, but really the worst part of it was, you know, he, he gives up a two-out single, to Kiner Falefa, and again, it was 7-8-9 that killed the Orioles in this inning. Gives up a two-out single to Kiner Falefa, the seven-man. Then he gets 0-2 on Marwin Gonzalez and hits him with a pitch. So there's two on. Then he goes 0-2 to Jose Trevino and throws a fastball 0-2 right down the middle that Trevino just dunks into right field for an RBI single to tie the game. And so for Glaspie, you knew he was going to have a rough appearance at some point. You know, it comes at Yankee Stadium in a really big moment. You know, the, definitely the most high-pressure situation that he's pitched in so far this year. And, you know, he's not going to have those all the time. He's going to have good appearances as well, but it's just kind of the welcome to the big leagues moment for Glaspie, and it came at a tough time. And, again, just a, a tough loss for the Orioles and a tough one to swallow, but they will go for the series on Wednesday. Hopefully they can win it. You felt like they kind of let this one slip, slip away. Would have been a nice one to win, but Orioles fall 7-6 in 11 innings on the Jose Trevino walk-off single off Brian Baker, and the series now tied at one game apiece. But in terms of the minor league level for the Orioles, they had another pretty good night on Tuesday, and they had some players in different places as some Orioles prospects were moved around the minor leagues. A lot of guys got promotions on Monday. And coming up next, we'll talk about which guys moved up and what they did at their previous levels to earn those minor league promotions. But first, let's talk about LinkedIn. Because with spring in the air, it's a time of renewal and growth, personally and professionally. And as your small business grows, LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people, including myself. Then you can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs, it helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So the Orioles fall to the New York Yankees 7-6 in 11 innings, their first extra inning loss of the year. But at the minor league level, it was all good vibes early this week as a lot of Orioles prospects found out they were getting promoted, heading up to the next level on Monday during the minor league off day. I wanted to run through these six players 
who got promotions for the Orioles. It was really five guys who got true promotions and another guy who moved up a level on a rehab assignment, but it was all positive stuff for the O's. So let's start with the biggest name included here, and that is Cesar Prieto, who got his first promotion with the Orioles. Of course, the Orioles signed Prieto uh, out of Cuba on the international market earlier this year, kind of a late signing guy who... You know, many thought would be a, a pretty good signing for the O's. Really good hit tool, you know, was a batting champion in Cuba. And, you know, we had Phil Selig on the pod from Cuba Dugout to talk about Prieto's time in Cuba and what he could bring to the O's. And, you know, we talked about what he start in double A or high A. Well, the Orioles decided to start him in high A Aberdeen this year, and he just lit the world on fire. He was clearly too good for that level. His stats in 26 games and just over 100 at-bats in Aberdeen, a 3.37 average, 3.76 on base, and a 6.04 slugging, seven homers, and six doubles. Now, he did strike out 16 times, uh, which isn't a big number, but only five walks, a little concerning. But we kind of knew this from his days in Cuba. He didn't walk, he didn't strike out, he put the ball in play consistently. And that's kind of what he did here in the States for the first time in Aberdeen, and he got the call up to double-A Bowie, which made it an even more stacked infield in Bowie. You've got Jordan Westberg, you've got Gunnar Henderson, you've got Joey Ortiz, you've got Cesar Prieto, and you've got Adam Hall in the mix. And Bowie, despite losing 7-1 to to Erie on Tuesday night, was able to get all five of those guys in the lineup. One of them DH'd, and Adam Hall played the outfield, as he's done a lot this year. And Prieto went one for four with a single in his double-A debut uh, so definitely something to continue to watch, but good for Cesar Prieto, you know, a guy who, you know, many think, including myself, can be an impact player at the big leagues sooner rather than later, you know, much older than many other international signings and uh, a really intriguing hit tool. So going to be fun to see him face a lot better competition here moving forward at the double A level. Now, Prieto was the only guy who went up to double A, but there were a couple guys who went from Delmarva up to high A Aberdeen. The first guy was someone who probably deserved this promotion earlier, but gets it now, and that is Daryl Hernandez, who was the Orioles' fifth-round pick back in 2019, and is basically, you know, they picked him out of high school, and he's basically been at Delmarva since then. And, you know, word was he was a little upset that he didn't start the year at Aberdeen after a pretty solid full season at Delmarva last year, but he picked up right where he left off, and his stats got better with the Shorebirds this season. 32 games, 138 plate appearances for Hernandez in low A Delmarva, hit 283 with a 341 on base, a 512 slugging, six homers, and seven doubles, perfect nine for nine stealing bases, and he earned his promotion. And obviously a spot had to open up, it seemed, and that spot opened when Prieto, an infielder, goes up to double A, and Hernandez takes his spot in single A. He also went one for four with a single, a strikeout, and a run scored, uh, in Aberdeen's win on Tuesday night in his debut. So good for Daryl, who, you know, maybe doesn't get looped in with these top infield prospects the O's have, like Westberg, Henderson, and Ortiz. But he's kind of in a second tier there that still definitely has some potential in the future and a guy to definitely watch. And then the other guy who went from Delmarva to Aberdeen was another pitcher in Alex Pham, the right-hander, who the Orioles took in the 19th round out of the University of San Francisco in the 2021 draft. And Pham came into Delmarva this year and just dominated six appearances out of the Shorebirds bullpen. He had a 1.59 ERA in 11 and a third innings. He allowed just two runs on eight hits, struck out 15 batters and walked seven, a 190 batting average against. And he gets the call up to high A Aberdeen. Now did not pitch in his first game there 
on Tuesday night for the Ironbirds. But some interesting stuff. Kind of a smaller guy on the mound, Fam is. Not a big, like, assuming, you know, right-hander. But he's got some really, really good stuff and some good strikeout stuff. And, and interesting to see him pitch out of the Aberdeen bullpen. Then we got two guys who were in extended spring training who got the call up to full season ball in Delmarva. The first was the big one in Carter Baumler, who, if you remember, the right-handed pitcher Baumler was the Orioles' fifth-round pick back in the shortened 2020 draft. Orioles took him out of high school, and when they saved some money early with Heston Kerstad, they gave a lot of that money to Kobe Mayo, but they also gave some of that overslot money to Carter Baumler to get him to sign in the fifth round and not go to college. And we haven't seen any of Baumler at all. You're wondering, you know, where has he been? He was drafted in 2020. Well, Pretty soon after, a couple months after the draft, he had to get Tommy John surgery. So, of course, he gets Tommy John late in 2020. He misses the entirety of the 2021 minor league season, where he probably would have spent most of the year at the FCL anyway. But he gets back healthy this year. He pitches at extended spring training a few times, and the Orioles say it's time to go. They promote him to Delmarva. Now, again, he did not pitch Tuesday night, but is scheduled to start one of the games for Delmarva this week. They are down in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, it'll be exciting to see Carter Baumler finally get on the mound uh, at full season ball for the first time after that exciting draft pick. He's got some really good stuff and uh, you know, he's still a long ways away. You know, he's still 20 years old, but this is going to be a, a fun pick from the O's. And then the other guy who went from extended spring to Delmarva, Elio Prado, the outfielder who you may remember from the Andrew Kashner trade when the Orioles sent Kashner to the Red Sox in that deal at the deadline in 2019. They got Noah Berth Romero, who has been playing solid at Delmarva this year. And they also got the outfielder Elio Prado, who has really struggled with injury since coming to the Orioles. Now, he joined the Orioles Dominican Summer League team in 2019, hit 298 with a 405 on base in 26 games there in 2019. Then he got hurt. Of course, no minor league season in 2020, missed all of the 2021 minor league season, and is finally healthy and back. He gets promoted to Delmarva, and uh, definitely, definitely excited to see what Prado can do in the Delmarva lineup, because frankly, you know, we've seen Romero a little bit, we've seen Prado, maybe one of those two guys from that Andrew Kashner trade can, uh, can turn out to be something kind of useful for the Orioles, and I know that trade, you know, sent itself into a meme with the uh, that seals the deal. But Prado is now at full season ball, and uh, he went one for three with two walks and a single, hitting second in the order in his Delmarva debut on Tuesday night. So fun to see him out there. Then the last promotion was a guy on a rehab assignment, and that is Dean Kramer, who, of course, if you remember, made the Orioles opening day roster, was warming up in the bullpen in Tampa in the third game of the season to make his season debut, felt something in his side, sat down, didn't enter the game, turned out it was an oblique issue, went right on the injured list, and we haven't seen him since. Well, he had a good three-inning start last week at Bowie on rehab, then he gets moved up to Norfolk and pitches again on Tuesday night on rehab there, and absolutely dominates. Three innings as he got the start, no runs, no hits, six strikeouts. His only base runner was a walk that he allowed in three almost perfect innings. It was really good to see the strikeout stuff from Dean Kramer. And I know that he's only pitched three innings in each of his outings, and the O's are going to want to extend him out more before he comes to the big leagues. But the O's certainly need a starter for one of those Saturday doubleheader games in Boston. Maybe you can bring up Dean Kramer and just try to get three or four innings out of him and then make it kind of an abbreviated bullpen game. Could happen. He is on the 40-man roster. and would make it easier to make that move 
but uh, just good to see Dean after his struggles last year pitch well in these first two rehab appearances. But of course, when guys get moved up the ladder in the minors, eventually guys get released. It's just the unfortunate part of the minor league system. And the O's did release three players from the system as well. And one name who Orioles fans especially do know and were a little surprised to see get taken off the AAA roster. We'll talk about who that was coming up in just a second. So the Orioles made a lot of promotions at the minor league level on Monday, but it meant they had to release three players, unfortunately, as well. And the first guy they released is kind of the big name from this group, and that is the right-hander Ofelki Peralta, who has had a roller coaster ride through the Orioles system. He started pitching with Baltimore in the Dominican Summer League all the way back in 2014. He has been around for a long, long time. And Finally, he broke through in the system in 2021. He was seemingly stuck at single A for a long time, could not get up to double A, finally does in 2021, and then gets to triple A. And between those two levels, he threw 93 innings, had a 4.73 ERA with good strikeout numbers in 2021. And we thought, okay, Peralta has a chance to make the big leagues in 2022 if he keeps it up, but he did not keep it up. Again, started the year at triple A Norfolk this year, and it's it's just been a disaster for Peralta. 15 and two-thirds innings for the Tides. He has a 10.34 ERA on the season. He's walked 14 batters in 15 and two-thirds innings and struck out just nine. And the Orioles looked around, looked at the pitching coming up behind him, looked at the pitching already needing innings in Norfolk, and decided to make the move. It's really unfortunate for a guy who's been around the system for so, so long and built things up so well last year, but it just did not go well this season. They had to make a tough decision, and Peralta was released. Hopefully, he can sign on somewhere and hopefully get that major league debut that he's been working for for so, so long with another organization. And then the O's released another pitcher from AAA Norfolk. David LeBron was the other guy released. Now, he was another guy who had a breakout season in 2021. O's acquired him in a minor league deal uh, from the Rangers back in 2019. And last year, he excelled in double A AA and triple A combined 73 innings at a 3.56 ERA with really, really good strikeout numbers. But this year, I'm not sure if there was injury or what happened, but he made a season debut on April 7th for the Tides, recorded just one out and allowed six runs on six hits, left the game after one out, has not pitched since and then was released on Monday. So not sure if it was injury-related or what happened there, but had a disastrous outing. We hadn't seen him since, and he gets released again. We wish David the best in his baseball future if he wants to continue playing, but just kind of a weird situation there with how his time with the Orioles ended. And then the last guy they released was a lower minor league player. It was Josue Cruz, the outfielder who spent this year in Delmarva and just was not hitting, was getting a little older than his teammates, was getting passed by in the lineup. 110 plate appearances, just a 132 batting average for the Shorebirds for Cruz this year. He was released as well. And again, we wish him the best as well in his future baseball endeavors. But those were the minor league moves for the Orioles on Monday. And it ended up with, uh, you know, a couple of wins at the minor league level as well. Couldn't quite get that major league win with the tough, tough loss for the O's in 11 innings. But the Orioles can try to come back and win the series here on Wednesday in the Bronx as they are going to send Tyler Wells to the mound for a 7.05 start at Yankee Stadium. Wells in his eight starts has a 4.41 ERA on the season. 
And the last time we saw Tyler Wells was Friday night against the Rays. He pitched four hitless innings and then allowed a three-run homer to Mike Zanino in the fifth. Ended up lasting four and two-thirds, three runs, two hits, four Ks, and two walks for Tyler Wells. We'll see if the big righty can uh, get things going again at Yankee Stadium. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster for him lately. And then on the other side, the Yankees will be making essentially a spot start. The 26-year-old left-hander J.P. Sears is going to make the start here in this one. He's pitched in two games in relief for the Yankees already this year. He's got two innings, two strikeouts, has not allowed a run, and has allowed two hits. But he actually has pitched against the Orioles this year. He has not pitched in the big since April 16th, but that was April 16th in Baltimore when he threw a scoreless inning, allowing two hits and a walk, but he got a strikeout and somehow got out of the inning without allowing a run. He's been in AAA since, but the Yankees calling him back up to make a spot start Wednesday. Again, he's pitched two one-inning outings, so who knows how long he's going to last for the Yankees. Hopefully the Orioles can jump on that chance and win a series in the Bronx. And then... I'll be back with you here on the pod tomorrow, coming back on Thursday, and we're finally going to take a look at the Bowie Bay Sox in our Orioles minor league season preview series. As Matt Sabados, the new play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, the Orioles AA affiliate, will be joining us to talk all things Bowie. We'll talk about some of the great players that are in Bowie this season, like Gunnar Henderson, Jordan Westberg, and really everybody who has been raking for the Bay Sox and talk about who we could see potentially of those guys in the majors for the Orioles soon. But again, that's coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.